Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go again. I have no idea why it does this. Anyway, my theme song about now is the time to worship is supposed to be playing, but it doesn't do that when I click the button. Most of the time, i got to click it and restart it, click it and restart it, and now I can't get it to stop. You can't hear it, I don't think. If you can, I'm going to mute it anyway. Well, anyway, hopefully the rest of the <laughs> rest of my thought processes will work well tonight. Anyway, so for those of you that listening in, it's a thunderstorm, rainy night all day here in south central, western south central Pennsylvania. More thunderstorms to come through a little bit later on. We had some pretty heavy winds uh, around today and yesterday, and it's that kind of time of year when we do get a lot of thunderstorms. So wherever you're listening from, I hopefully you've had a nice day, and we'll continue to do so. It is a very interesting day, if if ever before, and uh, there's been a lot of interesting days. But anyway, I'm John Glencoe. I'm on coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio uh, with my most most every Monday night show, uh, something to think about. And today is the 14th of May. This is the day 70 years ago um, that Israel uh, was declared an independent nation. And immediately the world has been in turmoil since because Satan hates the Jews probably as much, if not more, than the Christians and simply because God chose them uh, to be his His people. He calls Israel the apple of his eye. With the transfer of the United States of America's embassy now to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is, in fact, the, the technically the real capital of Israel. Uh, I look, as many do, that the... Um, that the um, Israeli government will in time move uh, its its offices of operation from Tel Aviv to um, uh, to Jerusalem, and this is something that is annoying to the nth degree. The um, basically not only the Palestinians but but the uh, Islamic world that you know is the arch enemy of of Israel. And so I listened today. Today was kind of a rainy day. I couldn't get outside and, and do much uh, that I wanted to do every time. And it was kind of warm and sunny for a while. But anyway, you add what happened today with with uh, the United States moving its embassy to Jerusalem. And a few days ago, uh, perhaps now one of the greatest presidents in, in American history, Donald Trump, has pulled the United States out of that, um, basically, it's, it's called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, otherwise known as the Iranian deal. Um, it's, I don't want to be a prophet here, but a full-fledged war in the Middle East is no longer out of the question. It's, it's not an if any longer, but when. And I believe that the, the when, as, as many Bible scholars as I was watching today on uh, on the internet, reading a lot of things, uh, are suggesting, hey, this 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 is it, um, you know. Anyway, so like I said, with the movement of the capital, uh, the withdrawal of the of the U.S. out of the Iranian nuclear deal, it shifted events in the Middle East into high gear. You know, the United States, despite the the criticism. Uh, that our President Trump has received, you know, is right. It's correct to withdraw from the JCPOA. 
because uh, it's deeply flawed and, and, to be honest with you, a ridiculous, stupid deal negotiated by a ridiculously stupid Secretary of State. I'll let you guys figure out the name. All sides have long known that that the, the main, uh, if you want to call them protagonist, Iran, has already broken every key provision of the agreement since it was inception. You know, despite this obvious disingenuousness, you know, the international community, as I have observed, you know, has been more than content to let uh, uh, to let Iran um, do what it wants to do, like a spoiled child. And yet they fail to realize that uh, they're not the only ones lying directly in, in, in the crosshairs of, of a potential future Iranian nuclear weapon. Now, I really believe Iran is going to move, according to Daniel, you know, the prophet Daniel, Iran is going to move. It, it is the ram talking about it's going to move, and it's going to have great success for a time period. But we'll get into more of that a little bit later on. You know, now, America under Donald Trump, you know, who called the uh, Iranian deal a horrible one-sided deal that should never, ever have been made, you know, finally brought, you know, th this so-called charade to an end. Um but he went further than simply ending, you know, this 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 deal. Uh, but he also, and, and you don't hear this, but I did some research, found this out. But he also uh, tacked on certain expectations, you know, that the United States has placed on Iran. I want to talk to you about these, about this. You know, um, there was a section uh, that was released by the White House uh, not long after the Trump's withdrawal speech that um, was labeled talking points, if I interpreted correctly, and I believe that I did, uh, that basically uh, revealed that the Trump administration has gone much further than merely withdrawing from the deal, went on to state that President Trump is making clear that in addition, in addition to never developing a nuclear weapon, the Iranian regime must perform these eight actions or agree to them. To never have an ICBM and attach with that, cease developing any nuclear-capable missiles and stop proliferating ballistic missiles to others. That's specifically you know, not mentioned there that I could find was North Korea. Getting sharing technology and, of course, uh, getting these missiles out to allies you know, such as Syria and Hezbollah, Hamas, Taliban, and Al Qaeda. Also, you know, in his in his letter, he says you got to stop supporting terrorists. Global terrorism is a crime. It's a sin against humanity, and it's it's no secret that Iran or Iranians are are funding this. Okay, so they've got to stop financial support and moral and political support for, for Hezbollah, Hamas, the Taliban, and Al Qaeda. Now, this was a big one, and this publicly declared quest to destroy Israel. Now, you know and I know that that's not going to happen. Also, to stop its threats to freedom of navigation, especially in the Persian Gulf and Red Sea. Now, this is a big one. This is a lot of people don't understand, but cease a less escalating the, the Yemen conflict and destabilizing the region by spreading or proliferating weapons you know, to Houthis. And it's cyber attacks against the United States and our allies, including Israel. Most people don't understand what that is. You know, they're messing around, trying to destroy the Internet or computer capabilities of certain nations. Stop its grievous human rights abuse. Basically, uh, the regime over there has, has, has had a, a nasty crackdown against uh, Iranian citizens who are actually wanting peace. And stop its unjust uh, detention of foreigners, including United States citizens. Now, this is the basis of a whole new United States regional strategy. It's not just a withdrawal. And we know that Iran, quite frankly, has no chance of complying with these eight expectations. Now, the the, the response, as I was able to find out, was uh, was you know, uh, it was like a bomb going off. Uh, the Iranian president, Hassan Rouhani, ordered the country's atomic energy to prepare to enrich uranium to industrial levels for use in nuclear weapons. 
And then this uh, last Wednesday night, Iran decided to go on the offensive against Israel. After some small-scale Israeli strikes against Iranian targets inside Syria, Iran took the decision to launch 20-plus rockets into northern Israel. Now, guess what? Israel's response was immediate as it was decisive. Striking back, okay, at Iranian assets within Syria with a severity of action not seen since, I believe, the Yom Kippur War. Now, Israel believes it has struck and substantially degraded all, if not most, of Iran's military capabilities within Syria. Now, Pres uh, you know, Prime, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu made this statement. Whoever hits us will get hit seven times over. Who prepares themselves to attack us will be attacked first. This is quoting from Netanyahu. This is the Samson Doctrine, the Israeli first strike military doctrine, and Iran should be aware of it. Now, Israel, in the, the, the severity of its response, when you think about it, they've drawn a red line or a line in the sand, you know, something that um, a former, uh, our former unfortunate president, uh, I can't even remember his name, Boy, isn't that something. The guy that was right before President Trump. Oh, yeah, it was something like, um, yeah, Obama. He drew a line and then kept backing away from it, kept drawing other lines. Boy, there, there's a, there, there was a president with, uh, with uh, I'll let you uh, figure out what adjective I had in the back of my mind there. Uh, or noun. He had a set or lacking a set. Uh, Israel now believes it destroyed all key Iranian military infrastructures within Syria, and I hope they did. Yet Israel also knows there's this fine line in its actions, and Israel's defense, decisiveness, I should say, against Iran is is basically there is a red line in the sand against them. Okay, um, and that's Russia. You know, the 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 Syrians uh, regime headed by Assad. Uh, is backed by Russia, and Israel is saying, "Hey, listen, you know, don't get to get get the Russians away from, you know, uh, Iranian assets in in Syria." Anyway, it's no doubt because Israel is treading, I believe, a fine line that Netanyahu Netanyahu said just a few days ago, just days ago, he did um, uh, visit Russia and was Vladimir Putin's guest of honor in the annual Victory Day celebration there in, in Moscow. Netanyahu, uh, while he was there, you know, he knew that uh, he, he was, you know, that they were preparing, you know, strikes and counter-strikes against what was going on in Syria. Okay. Um, now, if you think about... Uh, uh, if you think about it, uh, once it was understood, and you know, uh, and at the same time that the U.S. was withdrawal and a near perfect alignment of uh, you got three great leaders, Trump, Bolton, and Pompeo, you know, all, all staunchly pro-Israel. Many initials saw the opportunity to move conclusively against Iran and Syria as a now or never movement. And so when Iran's, you know. <laughs> made a, a, a stupid mistake, you know, by launching, you know, very ineffectively 20 to 50 missiles into northern Israel, which is basically agrarian in nature, it just gave Israel the, the pretext of, to, to go against uh, Iran and just flatten them inside of uh, the, the Syrian borders. Now, now you got the, the, the Saudis and, and the Emirates are now uh, their strategic allies with Israel against Iran. But you never thought of that, but they, they're lining up. And it also seems to be gearing up for, for a fresh assault against Iranian power and their sphere of influence, which is the Gulf. Um, what we're witnessing is the formation of a military alliance in the Middle Eastern region against Iran. And this is something that few ever saw coming. You know, uh, Tel Aviv, Riyadh, Abu Dhabi alliance. As, as one uh, commentator said, 
that that's, makes for some strange bed, bedfellows. But they now have a mutual enemy, Iran. And they finally feel that they have been given a green light from both the United States and to a degree, a light, small degree, Russia, to really begin to push back against Iran. Now be careful. What Daniel says, you know, is, is what, what he said, what he prophesied will help it. What happens next will depend very much how Iran chooses to respond. Now, if they are wise, uh, as some uh, think, and not respond uh, against Israel, you know, maybe they'll begin to negotiate with Europeans to, to keep the Iranian deal alive. And hopefully that they vote that, that Trump will not be reelected or, you know, his... Um, uh, his clone candidate would not be elected. All right, but there are uh, Daniel says that there are two horns of power in Iran. Now the hardliners, this is the military, will likely have an altogether different set of ideas. Um, they may ra- rise to the bait and take it. Um, uh, and you know this may well be uh, exacerbated, if you want to say it like that, by the harsh. Just new sanctions that the United States is about ready to place on Tehran. Um, these sanctions will, you know, which are designed by the United States by America to force the Iranians back to the negotiating table. Now, Iran is, a, you know, I believe that they're aware of the very weak hand it currently holds, because they have, they think that they have a weak hand with respect to negotiations. It's likely, and I, I, have real, I according to Daniel 9, um, because of this, Iran may believe that the only way they can improve their situation is some t- form of military escalation uh, against um, Israel and its uh, perceived enemies of Saudi and um, uh, particularly the um, Kuwait, uh, Iraq, uh the uh, Qatar, Yemen, the, their allies, their their enemies there, and they'll move against them. Now, Daniel claims that they will, and they will have success for a while, for a time period. Now, um, we saw the demonstrations, you know, today, May 14th, uh, there in the Gaza Strip. You know, the uh, Palestinians were warned, hey, stay away from that area. They didn't, and uh, they, you know they started causing some problems, and as a result, uh, things began to happen. Not 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 for the good. I was told that you know many were were, were killed, and they were shot. Um, so anyway, I got to thinking about all this stuff, and of course, sometimes you just got to go to the Word of God to get ideas. And I've got Bibles all over my desk here. I even got Bible on my my cell phone ready. And uh, I can find things pretty fast on, on, on all these. But I came across a verse in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos. A lot of people don't read Amos. But uh, but Amos is has really got he, he's he's got a lot to say, and so uh, gonna go to Amos nine and read you something. We'll discuss here a little bit about it, and if I got time, I'll I'll hit a bunch of other scriptures here. Amos chapter nine. I'm gonna focus on verses fourteen to fifteen, but but you got to start with verse eleven. And Amos uh, 9 is the last chapter in, in that book. In that day, now that's a, there's a question. What day is this this be? Uh, in that day is, is, a, is a phrase that is commonly used by the writers of both the Old and New Testament to refer to the day of the Lord in which Messiah comes to Israel. Okay, or what we would say the, the 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 return of Jesus Christ, the second coming. All right, now 
In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen, or the house of David, and repair its breaches, and raise it up its ruins, and rebuild it as the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Now I'll let you look up who Edom is. And it's, it's, going to, it's going to surprise you when we read the remnant of Edom. Alrighty? Now, I'll, tell, I'll give you a clue here in a little bit. It, it's a neighboring nation of Israel, just slightly to the east. And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Behold, their days are coming, declares the Lord. This is a really neat one here. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountain shall dip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. Now, this, this verse 14 and 15, this is worth some pondering. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. And I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them. Now some say, says the Lord your God. Now some say this applies to the far, far future, you know, at the time after the tribulation period. And that, and that indeed may be so. But when you begin to look at other scriptures, you know, in Psalm, even, you know, what we can find in Acts and, and Matthew and Zechariah, Joel, Genesis and Isaiah, um, you know, and I'll get to some of those hopefully. We've got to be careful to, to, to limit this, that verse, um, to the, in essence, the end of, the, of Jacob's troubles. Okay? Because right now, the fortunes of, of, of Israel have been restored. And they have rebuilt, you know, the ruined cities. Think about, you know, the, the great... Uh, persecution of Jews that began in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you do any research about uh, the agricultural business of Jerusalem, before the Jews returned there, okay, in, in mass, you know, after World War II, uh, Palestine was basically an arid desert. Uh, a lot of it was, was actually swampy land. It was basically good for nothing, and but the when the when the Jews returned, when the Israelis returned, okay, they turned basically, uh, you know, they they rebuilt ancient cities, they inhabit them, they planted vineyards, they drink their wine, they have gardens, they produce a tremendous amount of produce. And they eat your fruit. But now here, you know, so this is present tense. It was past, but now it's present tense. All this has occurred. You can't deny that. But now this is what God says to through the prophet Amos in verse 15. I will plant them on their land. All right? The Aliyah, the return to, to Israel from, you know, the, the Jews from all over the world. And they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them. Now, you can argue with me all you want to, and uh, but you cannot argue against God's word. God's word says that, that basically his people, okay, they're never going to be uprooted out of the land that... He has given to them. In fact, they do not possess all of the land. All of Israel is not that little tiny strip of land. You can go back in Genesis and, and research it out for yourself. The nation of Israel right now is just a tiny fragment of what was promised to Abraham by God. Basically going from the borders of, of the Nile River to as far uh, to the east as the Euphrates. And and. and Taking you know the Sinai and 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 large chunks of uh, Saudi and Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, all that was promised as land to Israel, and they will have possessed that land someday. I 
then over here in Psalm 102, and, and there's a lot of these, but I just this was just jumped out at me. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. Now notice the order there. The Lord builds up Zion, and then the, then the uh, intent is, then he appears. I'm putting that word then in here. Then he appears in his glory. Now, Zion is, is, is a word that's commonly used for Israel, for Jerusalem. They're somewhat, very much interchangeable. So what we're seeing here is in Psalm 102 that David you know, uh, saw is that God is going to build up. In essence, the, the implication there is he is going to restore Zion. And then when Zion is restored, he, okay, Messiah to the Jews, will appear in his glory. All right? And so look at what we have. You could jump over there to Amos 9 again. And I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. And I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of that land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. And back to Psalm 102, for the Lord builds up Zion, and he appears in his glory. Now, those are very intriguing uh, scriptures to me. They really are. They say quite a bit. And then if I can find the other one that I was thinking of, I know it was something that Peter said. And it was it was very significant. Acts. In fact, I read this here, and it just... I, I never saw it before. And that's kind of common when you, when you look at this. Uh, Acts chapter 3... And uh, let's see where is it here? Yeah, uh, I want to start reading with verse 19. Now this is Peter speaking. He, he's according to to the, the notes that I have here in my Bible. He's speaking basically uh, from the temple area on Solomon's portico. So this would have been a, a very common, popular place. I'm going to start here in verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Now, listen closely here. Now, this is significant if you think about it. Now, Peter goes on to say, repent, therefore, all right, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come. From the presence of the Lord. Sounds kind of like Psalm 102, doesn't it? And that he may send the Christ. And that he may send the Christ, the anointed one. That's what the word Christ means, by the way. It's not Jesus' last name. Never was, never will be. Now listen to what, what, what he's saying here. So that time, so repent, turn again, turning in basically back to God that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, okay, it's Messiah, and that he may send the Christ. All right, now, the, the, the inference here is the Lord God, Yahweh, that he may send the anointed one appointed for you. And then Peter says, appointed for you, Jesus. Now, Next line, verse 21. This is what jumped out at me. That he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets, holy prophets, long ago. And, and it was that word that received that, that caught my eye. In my mind, it, it whom heaven must receive... Okay, I was thinking there about the um, resurrection, not the resurrection, but the ascension of Jesus. And I think many people did that. But that is probably an incorrect translation. I'm not saying it's wrong, but the mental aspect of how we understand that word receive in our Western mindset is not what doesn't fit in. And I don't have it. Okay. 
Let's see if I got it here. I have this Greek New Testament. And can I read Greek? No. Do I understand Greek? A l very, very little, but enough to uh, figure a few things out. Okay, here it is. This is the word receive. Now, here it is in the Koine Greek. Therefore, you must repent and be converted for blotting out your sin natures and sins. Now, the Koine Greek, by the way, is the Greek that would have been commonly smoke, no, smoking, spoken during Jesus' time here in, 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 the, uh, in uh, Palestine or in Israel. Okay, I should start that again. Therefore, you must repent and be converted for blotting out your sin natures and sins, so that whenever this special restoring should come from the presence of the Lord, and he should send Jesus Christ preached before to you, whom indeed must the heaven receive until the time of restitution of all things that have been God-uttered through the mouth of all his holy prophets for the age. That's almost a word-for-word a word Greek to English. We just had to rearrange a, a few words there. Now that word receive easily, perhaps should have been translated as held back, restrained, withheld. So what am I saying here? If that is, and that is, by the way, if you, if you get into the Strong's, you'll find it like that. Whom indeed heaven must receive, or heaven must hold back, heaven must keep, heaven must restrain. So heaven here is, is basically a reference to God. So must, the, must God receive or hold back until the time of restitution of all things that have been God uttered through the mouth of all his holy prophets for the age. Now, what I'm saying is this. Jesus is in heaven. You know, he, he's obviously, you know, there our advocate. He's our defense attorney against the accuser. I believe that Jesus Christ would like to come back right this very second, if he could. But he see, God the Father is not allowing that. Why? There are still some things not yet fulfilled by the prophets. But it's so close. It is so close. Okay? Psalm 102 says, you know, that Israel's basically going to be restored. Um, Amos 9 says that once it's been restored and, and the people are there again, God's going to bless them, and no one, nothing is going to take them out of the land. It's impossible for that to happen. Okay? But Jesus' return is being held back. So I don't know how much more restoration has to take place. Now Jesus gives us clues also here in Matthew 24. And Matthew 24, granted, is, is, is a very deep, very prophetic chapter. A lot of people, you know, have read a lot of books about Matthew 24. What did Jesus mean? Well, today, actually it was, you know, over there, I guess it's the 15th by now. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 34, Truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, what generation? We, I, I've taught you that a generation could be 100 years. All right? That's what it says in Genesis. And if that's the case, you know, in 1917 with the Belfort Declaration, in essence, legally establishing the right for the Jews to have a homeland of Israel again, and today is is you know basically the the fulfillment of, the, of that declaration seventy seventy years ago, and of course you know many claim that the Jewish generation is seventy years. So what are we saying here? You know, here it is, verse thirty two from the fig tree. That's that is a direct reference to Israel. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as a branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So 
also when you see all these things. You know, what are all those things? Jesus just kept you know, t- uh, talking about that. You will know that he is near at the very gates. And truly, I say to you that this generation will not pass. So I believe this is the generation that that's saw this thing, okay? The restoration of Israel. And if the 70th year is indeed technically the end of the generation, then, you know, we're on a little bit of borrowed time. And so, you know, how much time? Well, that puts me right back into September of this this coming year. You know, the Feast of Trumpets. I firmly believe that um, uh, we're going to see some uh, horrible cataclysmic events in, in nature late this summer. Okay? Um, I believe the, firmly in... in and what Jesus said uh, about uh, when he talks about the tribulation of those days, you know, um, there's been much, much discussion about that. Um, I, I believe it, it, you know, this is, you know, perhaps the wars of Daniel, because, you know, he refers to Daniel earlier in, in his chapter. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Okay, that's the breaking of the sixth seal. Go read it. Okay? Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And I believe that sign appeared last September. And then, okay, the, the implication there is then, after a period of time. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Notice he is in the clouds of heaven. Where does Paul say that's a rapture? We meet Jesus in the clouds. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. It's coming. It's coming. It, it is so close, you should be able to smell it. You know, those of you that are, you know, bashing, you know, Israel, bashing, you know, pre-tribulation raptures, how do you how do you defend your position when you see scriptures like this? Don't argue with me. Okay? Yeah, I know, it goes on a little bit later, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son. That's important because he, Jesus is being held back. Okay? Held back. That's Acts 3, uh, what did I tell you? 3, um, uh, 21. He's being held back. He doesn't know when the Father's going to let him go get it. You know, then he goes on to say it's, it's going to be like the days of Noah. My heavens, how much more proof do you need to know that uh, we're in, in the, in the uh, days of Noah? Later on in verse 42, Jesus says, Stay awake, for you not, do not know, the, know on what day the Lord is coming. You know? Therefore, verse 44, therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 46, blessed is the servant whom his master will find basically doing things for the kingdom when he comes. My friend, you know, I'm not a prophet. I don't know when exactly Jesus Christ is going to return for us in, in the rapture. But it is just a matter of time. Okay? It, it, is, it is just a matter of time. And it's very close. Very, very close. You know, I'm looking here at some headlines here. Uh, this crack in the ground that, you know, appeared down outside of Mexico City. You know, another eruption in uh, a massive geyser in Yellowstone. Days of Noah, the federal government plans to take ownership of your baby's DNA. You can read the article for yourself. Uh, cyclone out in the Pacific, like a hurricane, doesn't form, perhaps never before has formed where the one has just formed. Um, there is a new, uh, it's called the HTLV-1 virus. It, it's... Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it says here prevalence is off the charts in Australia. Another big earthquake hit central Oklahoma, another 4.0. Uh, days of, of Noah, 23 major league baseball teams to pr- promote LGBT pride nights. Uh, 
make sure I, I'm not – I want to go to a, a ball game. I haven't been to a ball game probably in 15 years. I want to go, but I'm not going that day. All right? And, and, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. So what do you – you know, like I said, don't argue with me. You know, argue with, argue with God. You know, I get other scripture verses, you know, Zechariah. Let's see if I wanted to mention something about Zechariah. And watch me not be able to find it. Eh. Here it is. Let me find it. I, I made a note here. Something about Zechariah I wanted to get in. Uh, yeah. Okay, Zechariah. I'm in Malachi. Eh. Where's Zechariah? Right before. Now, Zechariah 12. Now think about this. Today the United States uh, Embassy is officially open in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about to become the capital of Israel. Now listen to this. This is Zechariah the prophet, chapter 12. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within. Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding people. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. And on that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all people. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against that. And on that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I strike every horse of the people with the blindness. Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, The inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts their God. On that day I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves. And they shall devour to the right and to the left all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem again shall be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. Now, just skipping down to uh, verse 8 and 9. And on that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am glad, and, and all of us, uh, you know, we should be very thankful that the United States has sided with Israel, has sided with Jerusalem. You know, we do, I'll read it again. On that day, God says, I'm going to seek, I'm, I'm going to be hunting, I'm going to be looking for, to destroy all the nations that have come against Jerusalem. Now we know that moving the uh, the embassy to Jerusalem has made Jerusalem, uh, using the, the the scriptures here, a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. They hate it. They hate the United States. They hate any. They'll hate any nation that moves embassies to Jerusalem. Call it a siege. They will now come against Judah. Okay. Basically the Jews. And on that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone. Now, you, know, you, you can think about that exactly what it means. But a heavy stone is something that causes burden, something that causes work, effort to be moved, if it can be moved at all. And God says all who lift it will surely hurt themselves. You cannot work against God and come out against God unscathed. Then God says, all the nations of the earth will gather against it. So what we're seeing here is also now perhaps this, the setting stages, you know, for the war of Gog of Magog. Okay? Now Daniel says that the enemies of Israel have success for a time, but in the end they're utterly destroyed. Okay? Let's see if I can't find it here real quick. Um... Okay, read. If I I don't use this uh, X books. 
Yeah, there is. It's Daniel 8, not 9. And in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me. Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. And I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel, uh, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Uli Canal. I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last, and I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. No beast could stand before him, and there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. Now, if you study this out, I'm going to tell you right now, and I've, I've done a show on this some time ago. Uh, what, where Daniel is talking about, he's in Persia, modern-day Iran. Susa is still there. It is a uh, uh, western Iran is very mountainous, but here in in near Susa, okay, the land is flat. It's basically the only place where military vehicles could exit quickly out of Iran, okay. And uh, Iran has has a is has two um, uh, two sources of power: the Ayatollahs, which is one horn, the military. The Iranian Republican Guard is is the other. The military came up after the Ayatollahs formed, but now the you know the, the uh, they were they were to protect the supreme leader. But now the the military people you know are are really greater in power than than the religious the Ayatollahs. Now so there's there's something that's going to trigger this 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 ram to come out. And he charges, notice westward, and that's directly into Saudi Arabia. And uh, I think uh, Kuwait and, uh, and uh, I can't think of all my geography right now, all these other little, uh, little countries right there, the United Arab Emirates and, and uh, uh, one of the others there. And he's just going just gonna to come against them hard. He goes northward and southward as well. He goes northward, he's going into Iraq heading towards Turkey, heading towards basically Russia. He could be a little ticked off at Russia by this time. And southward. Now, Daniel says something that is very profound, very prophetic, and scary at the same time. This, this ram did as he pleased and became great. Mm. The ram did as he pleased. And became great. This is implying that, for, at least for a time being, you know, nothing's going to stop. Nothing's going to stop, you know, Iran in, in militarily, because it says that he's going to do as do as he pleased, and it became great. It's going to appear to the world that hey, maybe you know, the United States and its allies were wrong. You know, what in the world can we do against you know this 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 war machine of Iran. Have they released several nuclear weapons of great uh, power in, in, in the Middle East? Easily could be. But now don't forget the second part. And as I was considering, so Daniel is thinking about this. How long did he think? We do not know. Sometimes I ponder over things for just a few seconds. Other times I ponder over things for quite some time, several months. And I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west. All right, now this is a goat, all right, across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. And he came through the ram with the two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal. And he ran at him in his powerful wrath. And I saw him come close to the ram. And he was, en was enraged against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, and he cast him down to the ground and trample on him. 
and there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. Now, some will argue that, you know, uh, what Daniel saw here obviously is a great power. Many are saying this is the modernized, you know, uh, army of the United States. Some are saying, you know, it's NATO. Um, I and a few other scholars believe it easily could be the country of Turkey. Because if you study this on a little bit, I'm not going to tonight, out of those four horns, a little one arises and the little one becomes the greatest of all, and that's the Antichrist. Therefore, I, I don't believe that the United States is is the progenitor of, of the Antichrist. Now, there was a time, yeah, I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but there was a time when I and many others thought that a Barack Obama easily could have been the candidate for the Antichrist. And I'm not saying that that is past until the man dies. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get saved first, you know, that he's still a viable candidate. All right? Uh, but yet militarily, the only army in that Middle Eastern region that is that really has enough power to defeat Iran uh, is probably Turkey. The IDF could stand a long time, but I don't think they could stop, you know, uh, I, Iran uh, in its in its entirety. And it may hurt Israel because, as, as I read there in, you know, uh, um, Amos, you know, it talks about time of restoration. So is Israel going to be, you know, damaged and then restored? And then never again are the people going to be moved out? I don't know. But my friends, this is this is what the point I'm trying to make is this. Jesus said, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't get caught off guard. Don't become a Laodicean church. Don't get influenced by, by Satan. And I, yeah, I get a chance to preach here in a few weeks, and I was working on a, uh, some sermon notes. In fact, I get a chance to preach a couple times. And um, I'm going to title my, this, this one sermon. I don't quite have it done yet. It's about think about where you're going to pitch your tent. Now, I'm a camper. I love, even at my age, you know, of a couple zillion years old, <laughs> Uh, I still love to go backpacking, and, and as soon as this weather breaks, my wife and I are now finished. Uh, you know, we, there's nothing more that we can do to get our, our farm ready for sale. Um, some of you who know me personally know that we have our, we call it a farm, you know, here in, in uh, Bedford County, Pennsylvania. It's for sale, and, uh, you know, it's it's a nice piece of property. We believe that God has a buyer out there somewhere for it. And, but one of the things that we, we want to take some time, we haven't, taken out for several years is is a chance to get away for a, you know a few days and we want to go we like to to uh, either go backpacking or on another canoe camping trip um, and, and so I've always been a camper so anyway a, a lesson that I learned many years ago it was in the summer of 1990 I had taken uh, I, w- I was just appointed to, to be commander of uh, of uh, Royal Ranger uh, outpost uh, outpost 34. And uh, we were going to the International Camperama out in Eagle Rock, Missouri. And we got out there. It was a two-day trip out. And we got out there, and, and basically, uh, it, it appeared to be all the all the good camping sites were were uh, picked over. In other words, there wasn't much left. You know, they had about four or five thousand people there, boys from all over the world. And anyway, with my with my group, you know, there was one really good-looking campsite. And uh, we thought, wow, man, that's 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 a good campsite, man. It's, it's, it's shady and you know uh, close to this little stream and blah 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 blah, and uh, and it really looked good. It was it was level, and uh, but I uh, we went down to look at it, and and I, I I just didn't have a good feeling. I said, wait a minute, look 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 at this. This little stream looks like it comes up. Well, make a long story short. Uh, we chose not to, to um, put our, 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 our several tents there. Um, and anyway, at the we were there, you know, morning assembly, and then we had some free time, and then the activities that we could participate in actually started the next day. And they, they encouraged us to get out and, you know, just mingle amongst our, ourselves, and um, which we did. 
and, and a storm came up, a thunderstorm came up. It wasn't very powerful. But we took some shelter, and the, and the storm lasted about 20 minutes, and we get, we got back to uh, the field the, that we set up our tent in, and, yeah, the, the wind had knocked over some tents. But I looked down at this campsite that we liked, and sure enough, that little stream had flooded. And if we would have set up our, our, our tents there, you know, they could have still been looking for them. It's hard to say. So you got to be careful in this day and age, my friends, where you pitch your tent. All right? Now, I learned a lesson, so you, and now I tied it in here to the story of Lot. <clears throat> you know, the book of Genesis is, is a powerful book if, if, you, if you think about it. Um, uh, the book of Genesis tells the story of Lot, Abraham's nephew. He's a good man. He made some dumb decisions that cost him. Uh, basically, you know, Lot was always chasing greener pastures. And Scripture says Lot pitched his tent as far as Sodom, Genesis 13, 12. And that was a dreadful decision that would probably haunt him to his grave. Now, nobody backslides overnight. It's a, it's a slow process of drifting from God, and it usually begins by making dumb decisions or little decisions that take you in a wrong direction. You miss a few church services. Your heart begins to grow a little cold. You make excuses for not praying and studying your Bible. You begin to hang out with the wrong crowd. You get the idea. Then one day you suddenly wake up like Samson in the lap of Delilah with a really bad haircut or like the prodigal son eating, you know, whatever the pigs didn't eat. Something went wrong. Well, the moral of my or the heart of my sermon that I want to preach is, you know, Scripture says that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. Well, no big deal when you read about it. But it was the wrong thing to do. Next thing you know, he had traded his tent for a house in Sodom, and he was sitting in the gate of the city of sin. All right, now as long as he was with Uncle Abraham, he enjoyed the blessing by association. But when he left Abraham, he gravitated toward the evil environment that was cursed, and his life began to unravel. Why? Because he pitched his tent in the wrong spot. Now, I got a lot more to, to go with that. But this is this is the day and age, my friend, where I got to ask you, where have you pitched your tent? If it's in the wrong spot, hey, pack up your tent and move, move to to closer to the Lord. Okay, e- even if it's out in a in, in a sunny hillside that we wound up, you know, pitching, uh, you know, our, our tents for Royal Rangers way back when. At least, you know, I was out of that temptation of uh, the danger of basically flooding waters. All righty? Now, so you got to be careful where you're pitching your tent. Based on what I just told you, you know, what Scripture had to say about what in the world is going on, you know, in the world, uh, you know, it is not the time to carelessly or callously begin a wrong association, you know, with the enemies of God. It's time to draw closer to God. Now, if you find yourself, you know, pitching your tent in the wrong place, you know, th- you know, get, start complaining about Trump, start complaining about, you know, the Jews, start complaining about, you know, Israel, and, you know, we've got to trade land for peace and all that kind of stuff. You're pitching your tent in the wrong place. I'll say it again. You've pitched your tent in the wrong place. Be warned. The day is coming on that day. Okay? On that day, this is Zechariah uh, 13.6. On that day I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves, and they shall devour to the right and to the left all the surrounding peoples while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. Now, hey, that day is coming when the enemies of Jerusalem, when the enemies of Israel, when the enemies of of the Jews are going to be in a world of hurt. But my friend, you can avoid that by pitching your tent in the right location. Now, the right location is simple. Okay, it's kind of like a metaphor for giving your life to Christ. 
If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, I ask you, why not? You know, what do you got to lose? Well, you can lose your eternal future. You can be on the wrong side of this one. Jesus himself said many people are going to be on the wrong side of it. But why don't you, you know, think about it and pitch your tent in the right place? Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible makes makes salvation easy. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. You know, Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he shall not, you know, see the kingdom of God. Well, how do you get born again? How do you get saved? Well, first of all, it begins with a serious prayer to God. That's Jehovah God, God of creation, not Buddha or not Allah or some of these other false gods, but the, the Jehovah God, to the God of creation. And when you are seriously ready, hopefully it's right now, because Scripture says that today is the day of salvation and that tomorrow is not promised to any man. A sincere prayer, something like this. Father God, I come to you as a sinner. I have committed sins. I have lived a life that is not pleasing to you. And Father God, for that I am sorry. I repent of my past life and the mistakes that I have made. Father, I call upon the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood that he shed on the cross to cover my sins and to wash my sins away. Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord God, I ask you to cleanse me and to make me into a new man, a new woman. Father God, I thank you now for saving me because your word says that when I call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved. Now, Father God, I thank you for for this, and I declare my allegiance now to you Satan, I will no longer live for you. I will no longer serve you. I will no longer support your evilness. My life now belongs to Jesus Christ, and I am now committed to him. Father God, I ask this in Jesus' name, and I ask for the uh, that you send me the Holy Spirit more now than ever, that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide me into all truth. Father God, I pray that you will direct my path And, Lord, I ask you to send good, powerful men and women of God into my life, beginning right now, who will help me grow in my faith and in my belief. Lord, I thank you for doing this, and I confess with my lips that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Now, my friend, if you said that prayer, the Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Now, you cannot do this alone. It's very difficult because Satan now, you know, has a plan for your life just like God has a plan for your life. And his plan is to see you destroyed forever in hell and then ultimately into the lake of fire. Now, what you need to do is you need to find a good, powerful church that preaches the word of God from front cover of the Bible to the back cover of the Bible. If the Bible declares it, that's what we believe. All right, end of discussion, that's non-negotiable. If you happen to live in the Cumberland, Maryland area, I know that there are a lot of good Bible-believing churches in this area, and I, but I'm going to invite you to come and, and, and visit Tri-State Ministry Center. We're located about 10 miles from downtown Cumberland, Maryland, just across the state line on Pennsylvania Route 96. How do you get to us? If you're familiar with Cumberland area, you'll go down through the Narrows or down to Lower LaVale and there at the big intersection that confuses everybody, head out towards Mount Savage. Uh, go about a mile or so and you come to that little town of Corriganville. There at the only store in Corriganville really is the Sheets convenience store. Make a right at that intersection. Follow that road about another mile or so and you'll go through the town of Ellerslie, Maryland. Keep going through that town. When that town ends, you will be in Pennsylvania, on Pennsylvania Route 96. Tri-State Ministry Center is a quarter mile on the right-hand side of the road on Route 96 North. And our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, 5 o'clock Sunday night for prayer meeting, 6 o'clock for, for worship service, 7 o'clock on Sunday night midweek. And if you really want, uh, <laughs> there's a really good invitation, come an hour early on Sunday morning, 9 o'clock uh, to adult Sunday school. You can bring your children with if you want. 
uh, with yours truly, John Glencoe, and uh, just currently uh, finished up a, a lesson series about heaven and hell, and we're starting a brand new series this Sunday, uh, as long as you know, the Lord gives me some more wisdom and ideas, <clears throat> but uh, he always does, and starts at 9 o'clock, find the little uh, concrete block building to the left of the main church, has a burgundy stripe around it, come on in, say hello, introduce yourself, and you know, we'll grow in the Lord together. Well, having said all that, I wonder if it's going to work this time. Yes, it is. How about that? Yeah. 